Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to As a Woman, Fertility Hormones and Beyond. I'm your host, Dr. Natalie Crawford, and I am a board-certified OBGYN and fertility physician and also co-founder of Fora Fertility in Austin, Texas. Each week on this podcast, I discuss health and fertility and how they relate to your true self. Become a part of the community of collaboration that amplifies others as a woman. I hope you enjoy the episode. Hello, and welcome back to the As a Woman podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Natalie Crawford. I'm a board-certified OBGYN and REI. I'm a fertility doctor, and I love talking about your body, your hormones, your health, and helping you be a better advocate for your own health. This is now the brand new year, so welcome to 2024, and this is starting the sixth year of the podcast. And before we jump in, a huge, huge, huge thank you. I am constantly honored by your support. I love how much you share. I love just seeing this podcast really be a resource so that you can learn more about your body and share it with your friends and your family. And so other people can learn how to support you as well. Today, what we're going to be diving into is the menstrual cycle. You know, I love the basics and that's where we're going to start with this episode. Before we do, I want you to know a few things. We answer your fertility questions and we answer these questions based on voicemails that you leave and on Instagrams on Monday. So every Monday you can go to Instagram, leave a question at Natalie Crawford MD. Some of them will be answered on Instagram, some of them in the newsletter, and some of them right here at the end of your favorite podcast episodes. We also have the As a Woman voicemail, which y'all know I love. I did a whole end of year Q&A segment. We're going to be incorporating those. I love grouping them by category because it's just a really fantastic way to learn. So you can call and leave your voicemail at 657-229-3672. Again, that's 657-229-3672. And you will be seeing an increase in these voicemail episodes as well, grouped by topics. So that's a great, great way to get your question answered. So today's episode is actually an audio recording of the very first module of my favorite course that I offer. So if you didn't know, there's two courses. There is the Enhance Your Natural Fertility course, and there is the IVF course. Now, I think the Enhance Your Natural Fertility course is what everybody needs. It has basics about your body, a ton about lifestyle, and dips the toe into fertility. The IVF course is meant to supplement this if you're going on to IVF. There are numerous modules, there's handouts, there's a visual, not just my face, but we went through and we made slides, so there's handouts, Q&A guides, and my favorite, which is the Facebook group. So there's a private group that I spend way too much time in answering questions, and the community is so, so, so great. So this is going to be that very first module. I think I want to share it with you as a gift for the new year, as a huge thank you for all of your support, 
and so that you can get a little bit of a taste of what the modules may be. Note, if it's referencing graphs, you can't see those unless you buy the course, but this is a great way to just start the year off learning more about your body, and we'll be talking about the menstrual cycle and some basics that I think everybody deserves to know. Hello and welcome to the first module, the menstrual cycle. This module is essential for everybody because you deserve to understand your body. We're going to cover your hormones, your menstrual cycle, and what is a normal period. So we're going to start out with the most science in-depth part of it, and that is going to be how your body is all connected. If we're thinking about the organ systems that really matter, we're going to think about in the brain two different areas, the hypothalamus, the pituitary gland, in the neck, a butterfly-shaped organ called the thyroid, two adrenal glands, which each sit on top of the kidneys, they're pink in this picture, and then your ovaries, which we're all much more familiar with. The brain is actually super complex, I'm sure you're not surprised, but its job is both to interpret and adjust a two-gland system for your hormones. This is the hypothalamus and the pituitary gland. In this picture, the hypothalamus is orange and the pituitary gland is this little dark and light pink area which is hanging off the brain like a little punching bag. It's actually extremely susceptible to trauma and to blood supply and it really makes a ton of important hormones. So the hypothalamus sends out signals to control the pituitary gland based on the brain's interpretation of your hormone status in your entire body. And some of the hormones that pituitary sends off include growth hormone, FSH, LH, TSH, prolactin, ACTH, melanocyte-stimulating hormone, oxytocin, and ADH, so an extremely important part of your body. One big disclaimer is the brain is the control system of your body, and so we're going to talk a ton in this course about lifestyle and how the things that you do matter for your reproductive health, and there's a lot of data and science behind that, but some things you can't overcome, meaning your brain has to function in order to do certain things, so we need to understand that a workup is certainly warranted if we think anything could be wrong with your brain. And now a word from one of our sponsors, Quince. The weather's getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune. And luckily I found Quince. Now I've got a lineup of timeless pieces that keep me looking effortlessly chic year after year. The best part is that Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands, but Quince partners directly with top factories, cutting out the cost of the middleman, passing the saving to us, and only working with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices. I personally cannot wait to wear my cute tan linen set this summer. So it's your turn to get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash A-A-W for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash A-A-W to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash A-A-W. Thank you, Quince. And now a word from one of our sponsors, Apostrophe. With the temperatures starting to warm up, I'm so excited the summer is around the corner and getting ready and looking forward to the summer months. But I know that when I'm outside, enjoying nature, I need to pick up supplies to prepare myself for summer adventures. And if you want to get your skin glowing in time for summer, it's time for you to get started with Apostrophe, who is sponsoring this episode. Apostrophe's goal is to help you feel confident in your own skin. So whether you're dealing with breakouts, signs of aging, or acne scarring, Apostrophe will help you love the skin you're in. 
I personally love that you get access to an expert dermatology team, a tailored treatment plan. It's simple to sign up for your first visit, and there is no in-person appointment or trip to the pharmacy needed. We have a special deal for our audience. Get your first visit for only $5 at apostrophe.com slash A-A-W when you use our code A-A-W. That's a savings of $15. This code is only available to our listeners. To get started, just go to apostrophe.com slash A-A-W and click get started. Then use the code A-A-W at sign up and you'll get your first visit for only $5. Thank you, Apostrophe, for sponsoring this episode. All right, so let's start with a very common gland, the thyroid gland. I'm sure you've heard about it. So the thyroid gland is controlled by TRH and TSH. These are hormones made from the hypothalamus and the pituitary gland, respectively. You are probably most familiar with something called TSH, thyroid-stimulating hormone, because that's the hormone we check in your blood when we're screening if your thyroid is okay or not. And so the thyroid gland actually makes thyroid hormones, which we call T3 and T4. The simplest way to think about this is that the brain interprets if there's enough T3 and T4, and if it is, it sends out what's considered an average amount of TSH, like, good job, thyroid gland, keep up the good work. If the brain determines there's not enough T3 and T4, it sends out an increase in TSH. Hey, thyroid gland, pick it up, make more. And if the brain senses there's way too much T3 and T4, it's going to send out less TSH. Thyroid gland, stop, we don't need any more. And so this leads to thyroid disease, which is one of the most common endocrine disorders. And the two different types that you'll hear about is hypothyroidism, that is an underactive thyroid, and hyperthyroidism, which is overactive. Hypo, let's start there because that's much more common. Your underactive thyroid gland is also considered Hashimoto's when it's autoimmune and etiology. So when you have antibodies that attack your thyroid, allowing it not to respond anymore, that is Hashimoto's. The lab values are a high TSH and low thyroid hormones. And your symptoms can include weight gain, fatigue, irregular periods, feeling cold all the time, having dry skin and dry hair, a slowing of your heartbeat, and being constipated. And then we have hyperthyroidism, which is literally quite the opposite. This is an overactive thyroid. And the autoimmune version is considered Graves. So if you hear somebody say they have Graves disease, That's an autoimmune attack causing your thyroid gland to secrete more thyroid hormone. So you have a low TSH and really high thyroid hormones. Your symptoms here are the opposite of hypothyroid. So now you're going to have weight loss, insomnia, you can't sleep at night, your periods are going to be irregular, your skin is going to be warm and sweaty, you're going to start to lose your hair, your heartbeat may be rapid, and you may air more on having increased bowel movements like diarrhea. If we move on to the adrenal glands, so the adrenal glands are glands that most people don't really think about, even though they're really familiar with one of the top hormones that they make, which is cortisol. The adrenal glands actually make a bunch of other hormones, adrenaline, DHEA, aldosterone, norepinephrine. These are all really important hormones in your response to stressors. So if we think about the adrenal gland and the stress response pathway, you have CRH coming from the hypothalamus that is interpreting how much cortisol you have in your body. It then tells the pituitary gland to send out ACTH, which then tells the adrenal glands to make more or less cortisol. So this is the hormone system that's going to help you if you're running from a bear or you're trying to deal with an acute stressor. When we think about stress, we like to think about this 
fight or flight. So your cortisol and your adrenaline are going to get you ramped up to fight whatever the attacker is. So truly cortisol is one of the most important hormones in your body. And if you don't have it, you have serious issues that you have to have replaced. So this is a natural mechanism. The thought process is imagine if you're running from a bear, you don't need to digest food at that moment. All your energy needs to go to the cells that are going to fight for survival, your muscles, your brain, your reflexes. And so it's a way to direct where your body is sending its energy at a given moment. And then similarly in chronic stressors, let's use famine as an example. If you don't have any food for a prolonged period of time, that's a chronic stressor, your body needs to maybe not get pregnant right now. And so we'll feed back that there is too much stress and this might stop the brain from sending out other reproductive hormones. And so that's a really important thing to understand is that the stress system and pathway is essential for all other body functions. And we use the word stressed so casually in today's life, and we have an entire module on it because truly, once you throw off this system, there are immense downstream impacts that are really hard to recover from. And then we have my favorite system. This is the HPO axis or the hypothalamus pituitary ovary. So the hypothalamus sends out GnRH. This is gonadotropin releasing hormone. Gonadotropin are FSH and LH. Those are considered your gonadotropins. They're what's released from the pituitary. So that makes sense. Gonadotropin releasing hormone from the hypothalamus controls the release of the gonadotropins, FSH and LH from the pituitary gland, which then go to the gonads. In this case, it's the ovaries to make the main ovary hormones, which are estrogen and progesterone. It's obviously much more complicated than this, but obviously the brain does interpret your levels of estrogen and progesterone to tell the ovaries what to do again. So it is also a very nice feedback loop that we will go in detail to in the next little section of this module, which is the menstrual cycle. Also important to realize males have the exact same thing. It's just the HPT axis, hypothalamus pituitary testes. So in this axis, same you have GnRH from the hypothalamus, which will stimulate FSH and LH from the pituitary, which are both important in production of testosterone and sperm from the testes. So very similar in functioning, and we'll go over that in detail in the male section. But understand that there is an autologous system for females and males that really functions quite similarly. So when you have reproductive hormone disorders, this really depends on where the problem is happening, but your period can be one of the first things to tell us something is wrong. So if we think about the different areas where things can go off, we can have an abnormal GnRH secretion from the hypothalamus. We can have abnormal interpretation or response from the pituitary gland, so FSH and LH abnormal interpretation or failure of response from the ovaries, and you don't have the right amount of estrogen and progesterone made. So these three organs all have to work together. And again, your body is all connected. This concept is really important because in medicine, we often think about the body in these different silos, the reproductive system, the GI tract, the cardiovascular system, the neurological system, and that's probably a failure of medical training because that's how we're trained. We focus in on these different organ systems and act like they're totally independent from each other and they're totally independent from your life and the things you're exposed to, which is just false. So the system is very sensitive. It responds to stressors and the body is constantly searching for what we call homeostasis. 
The body wants to be in harmony and balance and an equilibrium. It doesn't want to run from a bear or be in a famine. It wants to function perfectly. And so it is highly sensitive to those other hormone signals to try to always get back to this area of balance. And this is why the choices that we make each and every day matter so much. So we're going to dive in to my favorite topic ever on planet Earth, and that is the menstrual cycle. I cannot believe that when we are young, we do not learn this better, but it is a huge failure of sex ed that it's not really reproduction, education, and understanding how your body works. And let's dive into it a little bit more detail. So GNRH comes from the hypothalamus. It interprets signals from the ovary, mainly estrogen, and it sends out pulses to the pituitary gland, FSH or LH, based on what it's interpreting. That FSH and LH will then stimulate the ovary to grow a follicle, to make estrogen, to ovulate, to make progesterone, and more. So this is a highly complex system that really should function perfectly in sync. And when it doesn't, something is up. All right, so let's think about the menstrual cycle, and this picture is something you will see everywhere if you Google the menstrual cycle. So let's look at it really close, and then I'm going to go over what's happening. The top is showing you what's happening in the ovary, from a follicle growing to get to a mature size, ovulating, and then resealing and forming what we call the corpus luteum. Then you're going to see your body temperature, which you can notice is a red line that goes up after ovulation. Next, you see a graph of FSH and LH. FSH is in green and LH is in blue. And you can see it peaks right around the time of ovulation. That's because LH is the surge that allows you to ovulate. Then you see in yellow estradiol and in purple progesterone, notably the first half of the cycle, the follicular phase is an estrogen dominant phase. I'm going to say that again. And then on the bottom is a representation of what's happening inside your uterus, the endometrium. You can see it's going to bleed, then it's going to start to grow, and then it's going to break down again. So in menses, that's going to be considered the first week of your cycle. Cycle day number one is the first day of bleeding. The brain is not really sending out much FSH and LH. You can see the green and blue lines are low. The ovary is healing. The follicle that was released from before is healing up. All your follicles are small. And your lining is bleeding from a progesterone drop. A new egg, however, is starting to be recruited during this phase, and estrogen will start to grow. As estrogen rises as that egg grows, that's going to cause the endometrium or the lining of the uterus to stop bleeding. Estrogen heals the lining so that you stop having your period. So overall, the menstrual cycle phase, however long you bleed for, your menses, it's a low estrogen, low progesterone stage. The female body likes estrogen and progesterone. So this is a time where you tend to be moody, more irritable, hungry, you are bleeding, you do usually need a little more calorie intake during this phase. And now a word from one of our sponsors, Ritual. Did you know that women were excluded from clinical research policy by federal law until 1993? but women belong in scientific research. They're essential and Ritual knows this. I choose Ritual Multivitamin every day because it is easy to take and I know that I am getting high quality and traceable ingredients in a clean and bioavailable forms. In fact, Ritual conducted a university-led human clinical trial for their Essential for Women 18 Plus Multivitamin to assess its efficacy and the results showed increase in vitamin D levels by 43%, and omega-3 DHA levels by 41% in just 12 weeks. No more shady business. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin that you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month at ritual.com slash A-A-W. 
Start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash A-A-W for 25% off. Thank you, Ritual. Then we're going to go on to the follicular phase. This is considered the first half of the cycle. Officially, that menses is the first part of the follicular phase. We think of it from day one of bleeding until ovulating. This is the time where you're growing a follicle. See, it's a well-named phase. Follicular phase, grow a follicle. A follicle is the small fluid-filled structure you can see on ultrasound that's housing the microscopic egg. The brain sends out follicle-stimulating hormone, or FSH, and that's what's causing this follicle to grow and develop and the egg to mature. So a group of eggs is available, brain sends out FSH, that allows the group of eggs to select one to start growing. As that egg grows, it makes estrogen. Estrogen heals the lining, and it gets higher, estrogen gets higher as the egg gets more mature. And the brain senses this mature egg by the estrogen signal. So your brain is waiting to get a certain signal from estrogen to know that there's a mature egg there. I always talk about the brain and the ovary. They're like best friends in different rooms. They can't see each other. And so they communicate through these hormone signals. So that's the only way the brain knows when there's a mature egg based on the hormone signal from FSH. This, the follicular phase, once you get that egg growing, this is going to be a high estrogen, a low progesterone state. This is your estrogen dominance. This is your powerhouse phase of your cycle. High energy, high focus, high sexuality. This is your get shit done phase of your cycle. All right. And then we have ovulation. So when the brain has a high and prolonged estrogen, it is extremely specific. 200 picograms per milliliter for 50 hours, it is going to trigger the LH surge. That LH surge, the first time that the LH gets really high, will cause the follicle to rupture. The cyst ruptures and the egg is released. And so this can cause some cramping. That's called middle schmerz. And it's a funny word. It's mid-cycle cramping. And it can also cause some mid-cycle spotting because there's a really temporary drop in estrogen right after that follicle is disrupted. Just think about it. The follicle makes the estrogen, it ruptures, so some of those cells that were making estrogen are destroyed, and so your estrogen drops temporarily until that corpus luteum is formed. This is your peak estrogen to progesterone ratio, meaning you have the highest estrogen with the lowest progesterone you're ever going to have. That's going to cause you to get cervical mucus that is really sticky or just an increase in vaginal discharge, and you're going to have a really high sex drive. That's nature's way of trying to help you get pregnant. And then you have the luteal phase, my absolute favorite phase of the cycle. This is the second half of the cycle, and this is when the corpus luteum is dominating. This is your progesterone high phase of the cycle. So that same follicle that was selected to grow, the same follicle that ovulated, now reforms into a corpus luteum. And that corpus luteum, it's yellow in this top picture, it's fatty cells, and it makes progesterone. This is what makes progesterone in your body. A few other cells can make estrogen sometimes like fat cells, but nothing makes progesterone minus the corpus luteum. So the corpus luteum makes progesterone after the follicle has ruptured, and then it is stimulated to make progesterone in pulses from LH pulses from the brain. So fascinating. And that corpus luteum only lasts 12 to 14 days. It has an expiration date unless you get pregnant. So if you get pregnant and you have HCG made from a pregnancy, that corpus luteum will keep making progesterone to support your pregnancy. Yay. However, if you don't get pregnant that month, your corpus luteum will die. Progesterone will drop. You can see the 
purple line starts to drop off and then the lining of the uterus becomes destabilized and you have a bleed. So this phase of the cycle is your feed and breed. This is your, I'm getting ready to be pregnant phase of the cycle. High progesterone compared to estrogen. You're going to have energy conservation. You're going to feel more fatigued, very hungry, less focused. People will call this progesterone brain and a little more bloated. This is not going to be for most people, your most productive phase of the cycle because your body is preparing for a possible pregnancy. And then menstrual cycle phase of early implantation and pregnancy. This is really an extension of that luteal phase. So again, when you get pregnant, that pregnancy starts making HCG. I absolutely love this picture over on the left. It's showing you the entire ovary cycle. So you have eggs growing, a follicle rupturing, forming into a corpus luteum. You have that little egg that's been captured by the fallopian tube. And you even see those little sperm inside there. Fertilization happens in the fallopian tube. And early embryo development is all inside the fallopian tube until around day five when the embryo reaches the uterus. The blastocyst stage of the embryo is the stage that reaches the uterus. And then this implants around days seven to nine. We know that progesterone is essential for implantation. The amount of progesterone exposure is super important. And we also know that if the corpus luteum is destroyed, so an example, if you have a cyst and you need surgery and your corpus luteum gets taken out and you don't start taking progesterone, your pregnancy will fail. You will miscarry. There was a really good study done, I think on baboons, which is where they went in after pregnancy and purposely surgically took out the corpus luteum. And all of those that had the corpus luteum removed went on to miscarry. So there's no way in the early stage of pregnancy to have a pregnancy without progesterone production or supplementation. All right. And now we're going to talk about just what is normal because you don't know what's abnormal if you don't know what is normal. So I think it's important to start by understanding that we have three different time periods of our life. We have puberty, the time period before puberty, we have our reproductive years, and then we have menopause. Puberty is defined as when your brain is turned off. So a really interesting fact is the ovary cycle is always happening. I like to use the analogy that inside your ovary are all the eggs you're ever going to have when you're born. That's a true fact. Every month, a group of eggs is released from the ovary. From that group, one is going to be selected to ovulate, the rest of the group will die, and then next month, another group comes out. This process is happening from really before we're even born. But from the moment you're born, a group of eggs comes out of the vault. Before you reach puberty, there's no FSH. The brain's not turned on, so they just all die. Next group comes out. Your reproductive years, this is when your brain is turned on, and now GnRH, FSH, LH are being made. And now one of these eggs can be stimulated to grow and ovulate, and you could get pregnant. Only about 60% of people actually have those cycles that are 25 to 28 days. Those like magic number everybody talks about. So it's really important to understand what is normal for you. But then we have menopause. Menopause is ovarian failure. Everybody will go into menopause. This is when essentially you're out of eggs. There is no response to the highest FSH that the brain can send out. So your brain is trying so hard to get the ovaries to respond, but they're in failure. There's no eggs left. They cannot respond anymore. So we have the time period before puberty, puberty, the reproductive years, and menopause. And if you think about during those reproductive years, what is normal? Officially, any length between 24 to 35 days is considered normal, but your cycle should only vary about one to three days per cycle for you. 
Meaning if your period is 27 days, then 29, then 28, then 29, that's fine. That's a regular cycle varying in length between 27 to 29 days. But if your cycle is one month, 24, then 34, then 26, then 35, then 27, then 21, that's irregular. I sometimes use the word irregularly regular for those type of cycles, as in you're not skipping a full month, but your body is not in sync as it should be. And you need to be listening to that. And then what is normal when it comes to bleeding? Usually you would say four to eight days of bleeding is considered average and you should not be soaking your clothes. If you are, you should get a medical evaluation because that's not normal. And then cramps are a normal part of the process prostaglandins that are released around the time of your period help you shed the lining and they help with uterine contractions. However, if you have a restriction of your daily activities because your pain is so severe, that's really concerning that you could have endometriosis or some other medical condition. And if you are calling in sick to work or school, missing fun activities, not going to dinners or movies with your friends, you should seek a medical evaluation that's called dysmenorrhea or painful periods. And There's a lot of different cycle variation patterns I just want you to be aware of because we're going to use some of these words and you may have heard them and not know. So amenorrhea is absence of your periods. Officially for six months, if you've not had a period, you have amenorrhea. Oligomenorrhea is irregular and not frequent periods. So you're skipping months or have a very long interval longer than 35 days. Polymenorrhea, you don't hear that one very much, but that's really frequent cycles. So when they're coming closer together, you might even have two periods in a month because it's shorter than 24 days. Menorrhagia is either abnormally long periods, bleeding more than eight days, or very heavy periods. Then you have intermenstrual bleeding, which includes spotting inside your cycle. And there are so many different causes of abnormal bleeding. So all cycle variation patterns should be evaluated. If something's off on your period, Here's my big take home from this module. One, understand how your hormones are all connected. Two, understand what happens in a normal period. But three, if your periods are not regular, this is your body as a vital sign telling you something is wrong. It could be your thyroid, prolactin, something called functional hypothalamic amenorrhea, PCOS, luteal phase deficiency, chronic anovulation, infection, polyps, fibroids, atrophy, trauma, cancer, unknown pregnancy, obstruction or scar tissue, retained placental tissue. There are so many different things on this list that you should get any abnormal bleeding evaluated. And the next module is going to go into all these period problems much more in detail. Thanks friends. All right, friends. Well, I hope you really enjoyed listening to that first module. I know it's so educational and really gets to the point and gives you a little bit of a taste about what the courses are like. If that's something that interests you, you can head over to nataliecrawfordmd.com slash courses and on the website, you will be able to get tons of information. I'm now going to answer some of your fertility questions for fertility's sake. These are our weekly Q&A. As I said, you can ask these questions over on Instagram at nataliecrawfordmd or you can call and leave a voicemail and the voicemail number is 657-229-3672. Again, the voicemail is 657-229-3672. Call, leave a voicemail, leave your name. Don't, but we would love to answer your question. All right, so question one, I just experienced a chemical pregnancy. How long will it take for my hormones to even out? Really great question, and 
It depends. I know nobody loves that answer. But the truth is that when you're pregnant and you make HCG, HCG is made from the embryo. And remember that it works to stimulate that corpus luteum to keep making progesterone. At that same time, while it's making progesterone, your body is not sending out any FSH, meaning it's not getting a next egg to grow. You still have eggs coming out of the vault. They're just not being stimulated to grow. So, so we need that HCG to drop before the brain is going to be released and be able to start sending out FSH. This means that the further along you are, the higher your HCG was, the longer it will take. People have chemical pregnancies, and what that means is that you got a positive pregnancy test, but you lost the pregnancy before it could be seen on ultrasound. This still might have a decent HCG level, so I would say it could take anybody two weeks to six weeks to ovulate after a chemical pregnancy. You can get pregnant in that ovulation, but it can be harder to detect, and that's why a lot of people will say, oh... Just take the month off, wait till your period, then start trying because it can be harder to time ovulation or know when it really happened. But we also know from the early pregnancy study that it is definitely possible. And in fact, after you've had a loss, even a chemical loss, your overall odds of getting to live birth are improved. All right, next question is, I am 28 and went to my OBGYN for a checkup and they only counted six follicles. What should I do for my next steps? All right. So first of all, understanding that as we talked about every month, you have a group of eggs available. Each egg grows inside a follicle and follicles are fluid filled structures you can see on ultrasound. Brain's going to send out follicle stimulating hormone or FSH, which will stimulate a follicle to grow. Now, you should have follicles in proportion to how many eggs you have remaining. So the younger you are, you should have more. At age 28, we would expect you to have around 18 to 20 follicles or more. So yeah, six is a low number. One, I would ask to be referred to a fertility doctor. Two, I would ask to have an AMH blood test drawn, so anti-mullerian hormone. And three, think about if you're on anything that could suppress AMH or suppress a follicle count, or if you have a certain situation. So these include the birth control pill, sometimes a progesterone IUD, if you've recently been pregnant, if you've been breastfeeding, Essentially thinking about time periods where you've not ovulated for a significant amount of time can suppress the ability to visualize follicles. This could be artificially low in those circumstances. So when you come off the contraception or you give it more time, everything looks fine. But I've definitely seen patients who are young and in their 20s who have very severe diminished ovarian reserve and they are going to go into ovarian failure early. And the sooner you can act to either get pregnant freeze your eggs, or freeze some embryos, the better your options are going to be for the long run. All right, my cycles are every 27 days, but I don't ovulate until cycle day 19. What should I do and what are the possible causes? So first of all, if your cycles come every 27 days apart and you're only ovulating on day 19, that is a short luteal phase. The luteal phase, again, time from ovulation till that next period. Reasons for a short luteal phase can be thyroid, prolactin, anything on that ovulatory dysfunction spectrum. I will see patients fall into that at both extremes of egg counts. If there's a touch of functional hypothalamic amenorrhea that you're getting over, so you're not amenorrheic, 
but perhaps your brain's not sending out quite as strong of a signal as it should of FSH or LH. The reality is, number one, we need to get it evaluated because you need some blood work drawn. What if it's your thyroid? What if it's your prolactin? Also, how are you detecting ovulation and are we certain that it's happening on day 19 and not just that's when we're detecting it? Because in a day 27 cycle, we would anticipate that you're ovulating sooner than that. Usually you would anticipate somebody would be ovulating closer to day 13, but everybody's different. So is that confirmed on ultrasound or with blood work or is it an ovulation test? And do we trust those results? Just want to get the full picture. Certainly with a short luteal phase, I consider that on the spectrum of ovulatory dysfunction. I recommend a full fertility evaluation. Make sure you know all the pieces of the puzzle. But then I recommend patients consider ovulation induction because if we view this as ovulatory dysfunction, let's fix the problem, help you ovulate, not just throw a bandaid on it like progesterone. Neither here nor there because you need an evaluation to start with. And I'm glad you're tracking your cycles. The menstrual cycle is a vital sign. Your period is telling you about your body. You're paying attention. Great job. Now it's time to go get more answers. All right, friends. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode and happy new year. Go ahead and leave your questions on Monday at Instagram, Natalie Crawford, MD. Check out the YouTube channel, Natalie Crawford, MD. You can sign up for the courses yourself, nataliecrawfordmd.com. I feel like I'm just saying my name over and over. And call, leave a voicemail on the As a Woman voicemail, 657-229-3672. Happy New Year and thanks, friends. Thank you all for listening to As a Woman. It would mean so much if you could rate, review, and follow the podcast to be notified of new episodes every Sunday. I hope you learned something new, and I hope you share it with someone in your life. Be sure to follow along on Instagram at Natalie Crawford MD and check out the YouTube channel, Natalie Crawford MD. If you're interested in becoming a patient, you can also follow Fora Fertility. I'm so thrilled to have you here, part of the community that amplifies others as a woman. <laughs>